It's time for Culture Shift. Culture Shift, your soundtrack to discovering the best in arts and culture in Detroit. Listen, baby. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Culture Shift. I'm Tia Graham. Ryan Patrick Cooper is here, and today we will chat with the organizer of the Berkeley Street Art Fair and one of the featured artists as well later on, Melody Batens of the Detroit News. We'll talk with Ryan about the latest in the dining and food scene throughout Metro Detroit. A little bit hungry for that right now. And of course, we'll have music, news, and conversation all coming up next after NPR News and news from the WDET Newsroom with Laura Herberg. Thanks for joining us. afternoon. I'm Tia Graham. Thanks for joining us for Culture Shift. And you know, art lovers rejoice, rejoice. Saturday, July 16th, downtown Berkeley will be transformed into an outdoor art studio with chalk artists creating colorful street art with a chance to win prizes as well. The fair will run from 11 a.m. until 5 p.m. That's Saturday, July 16th. We are joined by Darlene Rothman, the executive director of the Berkeley Area Chamber of Commerce, and the artist that will be featured, one of the artists that will be featured, Angie Schultz from Better Ways Designs. Thank you both for joining us for Culture Shift. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, Darlene, we're just going to start off talking a little bit about the Berkeley uh, Street Art Fair and, and, and some of its roots, some of its beginnings. What, what were some of the ideas there when you were starting this, uh, this these first few art fairs? It started as a chalk contest mm-hmm. and uh, started with murals going on the building. So truly an art fest, horizontal and vertically. <clears throat> the whole idea was to have fun time and a party in Berkeley and to bring people to the community. Um, We now close down a good portion of Coolidge, which is one of the main streets in Berkeley. And that way people can wander down uh, Coolidge and see businesses that they might not have even noticed because they're walking. And it's a contest. It's people of any, uh, and kids and teams that can participate uh, of any level. And it's an actual contest and they can win prizes. And uh, it grew from there. And now we have um, musicians. We have um, David Zinn, who's a well-known chalk artist from Ann Arbor. He's been at it every year. Um, this year, we've added uh, another feature artist, uh, Daniel Cascardo, that's going to do a um, interactive um, piece of art that um, participants will be able to color in, and then it's going to be framed. It's going to hang in uh, one of the municipal buildings in the city of Berkeley, and there's music, and then and then it grew uh, again when we added the um, Shop for Good, which is uh, a very unique 
way to um, have an art fair in Berkeley. Yeah, that was going to be one of my segues. The Shop for Good Village was added last year, mm-hmm. and it, it features recycled items and reusable items like vegan and organic goods. So can you talk about adding that portion to the already uh, popular art fair there in Berkeley? Right. Well, we already have another art fair um, that's another chamber event called uh, Berkeley Art Bash, which is in June. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to have a different uh, aspect of art. And uh, Susan, who's the owner of Vitrine, knows a lot of uh, local artists that their art is tied into doing something good for the community. And so we are very unique in creating that kind of event where their artwork isn't just artwork, it's helping the community and taking to another step. So we're thrilled to be adding that component to, and it, last year being the first year went over fantastic, so it keeps growing. Yeah, so when you talk about last year's Shop Good for uh, the Shop Good Village, uh, talk about some of the products that were offered there, some of the things that people were able to buy, or even just look out, look at, and, and, and walk around and see. Um, there's uh, jewelry. A few uh, artists have jewelry. Some are making from recycled items. Um, some from car parts, which is good tie into us in Detroit. Yeah. And um, they also work um, where it's supporting um, third world countries and also um, some of the people that are making the jewelries. It's a way for them to make money that have had challenging times, um, some very, very challenging times. And it's a way to that they're working to make a living. Um, we also, there's some clothes. Um, this year there's actually going to be um, uh, dog treats that are made um, more holistic uh, dog treats that, uh, and they are supporting, their support is helping with greyhounds. Um, so it's all different aspects, but tends, there, there tends to be a little more, I would say, in clothing and jewelry um, and in the artists, but not necessarily. And it keeps, you know, growing from there and just artwork. Um, And the engagement of the public with the artists is really engaging to the point where it's more than just talking about the art. It's why they're doing what they're doing and who they're supporting. And it's a whole different level of commitment and conversation that I think the public walks away from um, feeling strengthened and more wholehearted in addition to coming to a fun day for, you know, seeing and participating in art. All right. Andy, we're going to bring you into the conversation. You, Andy Schultz from Better Way Designs. Talk a little bit about uh, your company, if you can, Better Way Designs and, and the company's mission. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, so Better Way Designs, we're actually, we're a Michigan-owned um, company. So our home office is over on the west side of Michigan near Holland. And um, we partner with freedom businesses all around the world that work with artisans who have been rescued or who, who have come out of being trafficked. And so um, we've kind of, we kind of do dignified, it's a, it's a dignified um, business model, which is what I love about Better Way Designs. Um, these amazing artisans from everywhere. We're in 11 different countries, including the United States. Um, and we at Better Way Designs, we sell their goods. And so these uh, women hand make the items and then we, um, we take them to different parties and homes and fairs and festivals just like this um, as an opportunity for people to shop for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all B Corp certified, fair trade certified, um, kind of ethical fashion 
that is doing good uh, for women around the world is kind of what we're all about, which is pretty awesome. And how are you finding some of these artisans and some of the women to work with you all with uh, to work with Better Way Designs? Yeah, that's a great question. So we work specifically with, um, because we're a B Corp certified company, We there's just certain checks and balances that have to be taking place within the freedom businesses we partner with. And so, and we specifically are fighting for against uh, trafficking. And so the organization that we work with has to be fighting against human trafficking in some way, shape or form. Um, and they have to have ethical business practices. So uh, make sure that the artisans are paid fairly and treated fairly. Um, they're given health care, child care, education, business training, and then they're also salaried. And so they're not paid per item that they make. They're paid for work. And so we essentially take their items and sell them so it creates more and more jobs for these artisans around the world. Um, and then they also, uh, the B Corp certification looks at how we treat the planet. So everything has to be ethically and sustainably made. So recycled items, recycled materials, um, vegetable tanned leather, um, ethically plated metals. Um, all of, We have coffee and tea that's all organically and ethically grown and um, that type of a thing. And so there's certain um, kind of measures that they have to um, follow in order to be a part of uh, better way designs, and then it also has to be a product that we can sell. Mm-hmm. That's something you know, something that we can sell here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Something that people here are going to want to purchase. And, um, so we try to stay with the trends, um, so that it just kind of shows people that you can still shop ethically, but also shop trendy, you know, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that way, it really works with the market of what of what's kind of fashionable here in the U.S. And, you know, how has it affected the artists who participate, the women that you're finding who are doing some of the work? It sounds like a very positive experience for anyone for anyone who's involved with this uh, business. Yeah, it's incredible. So I've been a part of this company for 10 years, and I've gotten to travel uh, to India, and I've gotten to meet almost all of our business owners in that are kind of all around the world. And mm-hmm. so we've gotten to hear just kind of like what it's doing for the artisans that we partner with. And so it's really creating... Because they're, they're, they're getting education and they're getting salary and they have that child care slash school component for their kiddos, um, it changes the whole trajectory of, of their life. It kind of breaks that cycle of trafficking and helps them kind of dream for what they want to do. And um, our businesses help them figure out what, it, what, is it, what is it exactly that they want to do with their life. And then it, it breaks that cycle for their kids, you know, mm-hmm. so then their kids are not um, in that environment anymore. And so... A couple years ago, uh, actually it might have been last summer, one of our businesses had, we were asking the percentage of women that go back into trafficking that are a part of the, the companies we partner with. And she said, you know, 98% of the women stay wow. in work and um, because they know that they have a they have something to, to live for. They have a future. You're always going to have a percentage that's going to decide to go back for whatever reason. But um we thought that was a pretty awesome percentage. Yeah. We're like, all right, we can keep doing that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, with, with a model like that and a mission like that with the company, the shop good or the shop for good village was probably the perfect place for you all to display your message and yes. the artwork that you're uh, uh, creating. Yes. I met Susan from Vitrine through another party. And so she saw what we were doing and saw our business model and was like, oh, my word, we have got to get you out there. And so um, she's one of the people that had contacted me and was like, and we need to get your products on this, you know, in this part of the, mm-hmm. of the art fair, um, which I thought was pretty awesome or the art fest. 
which is pretty cool. And, and you know, what will Better Way Designs have this year on display uh, at the Shop for Good Village? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, they'll have blankets. There's a lot of sari, the organic um, cotton sari fabrics from like Bangladesh and India with these beautiful hand-stitched blankets. A lot of jewelry from the U.S., um, kind of from all over the place, from Bangladesh, from Cambodia, Thailand, pearls, things like that. Um, and then we also have bags, a lot of bags from all around the world, leather from Bolivia, um, and then there's that same sari type bag that comes from Bangladesh and India. And then we also have coffee um, and tea that kind of is all direct trade from all around the world. We work with different coffee farmers and, and tea farmers as well. Um, and then we have a face line that we sell that's from Florida, actually. They work with women coming out of being trafficked down in Florida, and they make an organic face line. You have moisturizer and um, vitamin C serum and, and stuff like that. And then we have paper products, too, so journals, cards, kind of we run the whole you can spend as little as you want or as much as you want, uh, which is what I like within our price points, which, is, which makes it really affordable for anybody to, to purchase. I was going to say, I was on the website actually a little bit before our, the interview now, and I saw a lot of things that were priced moderately. They were kind of low. They were high. So there were there were, there were tons of products there for any person's budget. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's the budget, word for it. Yeah. Budget. So um, as you're talking about this year's art fair, talk a little bit about why it's so important for you all to be there to exhibit the things that you all are doing. Um, for us, it's really important for, A, for people to see our products, but then also just to get our name out there, to be mm-hmm. able to um, really network with those that we're talking with, to let people know that we exist and that there are ways to partner with what we do. Um, and so whether it's purchasing, people can book their own in-home parties, a smaller kind of event that they can do in their homes, or if they own, you know, if they do bigger things like this art fest, other places, it just really gives us an opportunity to be able to get our products out there and um, help people see that they can fight against human trafficking just through, you know, purchasing these products. And so the more we sell, the more women we can hire. And so anytime that we can get our name out there and our products out there, um, the better. And Berkeley's just so cute. The downtown <laughs> is so fun. And the Art Fest is just fun. Like the Street Art Fest is just a good time. And mm-hmm. so even as like a vendor, it's really fun just to be in the in the energy of what's happening down there, you know? Yes. <laughs> so it's definitely yes. just worth checking out for sure. Yes. Thank you, Angie. Now, Darlene, I'm going to ask you just really quickly after hearing what Angie had to say about her, her time with, with the Berkeley Art uh, Street Fair and just the time of being, as being a vendor there, can you talk a little bit about some of the things that she was saying and how you all have this focus on doing good? Exactly. Um, the, the whole concept, and Susan sells these products in vitrine Mm -hmm. year round. And so the connection is already in Berkeley on an ongoing basis. And the event's already a family friendly event. And we want that whole interaction. Some people are coming for all different reasons. Some are specifically coming for the shop for good village. Some are coming to be chalk artists. Some are coming to watch the chalk artists and they have all in, in music and everything that's going on. They they have this um, comfortable feeling. It's just a easygoing, comfortable day in in Berkeley, and it's a lot of families. And I think the connection that they're getting is that they're talking and finding out that it isn't just jewelry that they're buying. That there's a history behind it, and they walk away from it 
And I think important in life is the story behind the story. And I think this is so very true with what is happening. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the takeaway is you're you're having a fun day, Mm -hmm. but you are really supporting great causes in the world. And... It's it's a an extra good feeling. Yeah, you know, and I love to see that you know it's connecting people from all over to have these similar ideas, similar feelings, similar thoughts about art and the love for art. Exactly. So as we're going forward, can you talk about the day itself, July sixteenth, Saturday? Uh, talk about the day where it's going to be held, some of the things that are going to be offered, kids' activities, you know, the, the works. Exactly. So um, the event, our key sponsor is the. Um, MSU Federal Credit Union, and we have some wonderful sponsors, and we have um, a kid zone that um, is going to be going on. At um, it's sponsored by Detroit Build Whiskey Kitchen. They've been, I think, doing it every year with us. So it's a kids area that they have. Um, there is going to be this community interactive art piece with Daniel Cascardo, um, David Zinn. We won't say exactly where he's going to be because part of it is discovering what he's doing and um, seeing the chalk that he does. He's worldwide known. And um, there's going to be a bounce house at, at by Nova Chiropractic. And there's also, because the murals program started with the Street Art Fest, uh, there's one that's going to be finalized on the side wall of Nova Chiropractic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the bounce house is over by there. Um, and there's still time to sign up to be a chalk artist. And it's really any level. I mean, some people go, you know what, I'm just going to get some chalk and if they sign up in advance they can get a uh, Berkeley Street Art Fest t-shirt but you can also come that day and sign up and they get a five by five square and there's also adult levels and then there's group levels so if you think you're hearing about this go this just be fun go for it and it's just fun you talk to the other chalk artists and they line the streets of, of 12 mile and we hope for good weather for several days so people can view it. Last year it rained the next day, oh. and that's heartbreaking. Yeah. We actually have tried to spray it with hairspray. We've, mm-hmm. We're told that works, but it was such a heavy rain last year. Yeah. It didn't even yeah, help. It was. The, the first year they lasted about a week and a half, mm. and so you come. So it's just, you know, you can just come and watch. And, and actually, you know, talking to those artists is interesting, too, because they're coming from different perspectives. So, um, and I believe probably still till the end of this week, if there's any shop for good artists that want to um, be part of this, um, it, go to the Berkeley Street Art Fest uh, website. And that's where everything is. I know for sure the chalk artists can sign up still, and we, we welcome them at all levels. I mean, definitely we have you know, professional and semi-professional chalk artists that come. They go to different chalk festivals, and there's several of them in Michigan and uh, different, there are different expressions in chalk and knowing that it's not permanent. That's mm-hmm. a whole different form of art mm-hmm. that you know will disappear. And not many of us can do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Darlene Rothman is the executive director of the Berkeley Area Chamber of Commerce. And we were also joined by the artist Angie Soltz from Better Way Designs. Thank you both for being here with us on Culture Shift and that Berkeley Street Art Fair takes place. On Saturday, July 16th from 11 to 5.
Thank you very much for joining us. Coming up, we'll listen to a story about an all-women touring concert that changed music festival history. That's coming up after a quick break. Culture Shift, more coming up next. WDET's coverage of environmental issues is supported by DTE Energy. Its clean vision for Michigan is a commitment to cleaner energy, a cleaner environment, and a brighter future. Learn more at dtecleanenergy.com. You are the public in public media, and WDET is your station. I'm Dave Kim, WDET's digital manager. With the goal of providing you information wherever and however you choose to listen and read WDET content, we ask you to take part in the annual tech survey. Let us know how you use WDET and what you'd like to see in here in the future. Take the survey now at WDET.org survey. This is the Michigan Association of Broadcasters Station of the Year, 1019 WDET Detroit NPR Station. It was 25 years ago this week, 150 miles outside of Seattle, that music history was made. It was the opening night of Lilith Fair. The radical all-female touring concert became the top-grossing music festival of the late 90s. NPR's Lisa Wiener takes us back. July 5th, 1997, was a Saturday night. The venue was packed with thousands of people for a sold-out show. Singer-songwriter Sarah McLaughlin looked out over the sea of people and could not believe her eyes. You know, it was definitely a whole moment, and I was just focused on, oh my God, I'm playing in front of 15,000 people. In the lead up to that night, McLaughlin battled a concert industry that told her the same audience she was looking at did not exist. They're like, well, you can't put two women on the same bill. What do you think you're doing? This was in the same climate that told us at radio stations, you can't play two women back to back on the radio. We'd love to add this song, but we can't add you this week because we added Tori Amos or because we added Tracy Chapman or because we added Sinead O'Connor. Born out of this frustration, McLaughlin spent a year convincing promoters, gathering funds and inviting fellow musicians to join the bill who would over the years include Tracy Chapman and Sinead O'Connor. Even in its first year, Lilith Fair's lineup was a who's who of female alternative rock artists. Cheryl Crow, Jewel, Fiona Apple, Joan Osborne, 
the Indigo Girls. They all signed on to the tour that would become the hottest ticket of the summer of 97. That's from VH1's Behind the Music. Jessica Hopper, who wrote an oral history of Lilith Fair, says building a music festival from the ground up meant this eclectic group of women musicians could reach a wider fan base. What that meant for people who were going is that they could really be exposed to these women, whether they were legends like Emmylou Harris or Bonnie Raitt or artists that they're probably already hearing on the radio like Natalie Merchant. Have I been wrong? Have I been or a young Christina Aguilera or Tegan and Sarah artists that really started their careers on the sort of baby stages of Lilith. Nearly every Lilith show that first summer sold out. It was a hit with fans, but it quickly became fodder for critics and the target of misogynistic jokes that wormed their way into pop culture. Like on Saturday Night Live, which just a few months after the very first Lilith Fair concert introduced a humorless feminist character, a parody of a Lilith performer. I really consider myself more of a funny wordsmith folkist who came out of the uh, singer-songwriter tradition. On top of that, Lilith Fair was panned as being white women's mommy music, but it was a proven moneymaker playing to audiences larger than Lollapalooza and raking in $16 million in its first summer. By the very next year, 1998, Lilith was able to harness that power, expanding the tour to 57 dates with over 100 artists across three stages. Many of them reflected organizers' efforts to remedy a lineup that was mostly white in year one. My name is Michelle Indege Ocello. I'm a bassist and a composer. The experience of playing Lilith and Deggy Ocello remembers was more supportive and affirming than other tours. It was just beautiful to be around mothers. <laughs> you know, there were a few artists brought their children. It was amazing to be around healthy food. 1998 was also the year Erica Badu and Queen Latifah were added to the lineup. Missy Elliott had her first ever live performance anywhere at Lilith Fair, wearing what looked like a giant vinyl trash bag and singing a song that became an instant classic. Over its three short but joyous summers, Lilith Fair had its triumphs, including when Prince showed up for a duet with Sheryl Crow. Author Jessica Hopper on Lilith Fair at its peak. It launched Dido into megastardom. It helped put Jewel on the cover of Time magazine. And it was also women who were in their 60s and 70s and really seen as legacy acts were put into conversation. You're a Benatar was brought back into the fold. And so really what you see here is something that defies every industry convention and became the biggest concert tour of the 90s, aside from Garth Brooks, period, end of story. And it was the end of the story, sort of. After an admittedly exhausting three years, Lilith Fair stopped touring. McLaughlin's priorities had shifted. Recently married, her own career was skyrocketing. Still, in 2010, 
She tried to revive the festival with the hope of recreating the magic of the 90s tour. But a lot had changed in 10 years. Like the entire music industry, for one. The digital age meant you did not need to go to live shows to discover new artists. Plus, the tour was plagued by financial mismanagement, causing performers to drop out at the last minute. Here's McLaughlin talking to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation in 2012. I don't think we did enough due diligence in, in discovering how our audience had changed and how to reflect that in a new show. We kind of threw up the same model. Looking back, did Lilith achieve what it set out to accomplish? NPR Music's Ann Powers says yes. She says it upended long-standing presumptions that audiences would not connect with an all-female music festival. Not just that, Lilith opened new creative possibilities for the women who took to its stages. This is a snapshot of a huge array of what women were doing in music in this era when there was a lot of space and demand for women of all kinds to be taking risks in music. And Lilith Fair is almost like, here's your compilation of every wild idea that women had in music in the 90s. And I think so much of that stuff is just like forgotten. Forgotten because the energy and passion of those shows was so long ago or forgotten because the triumph of women's achievements often fades too quickly. Either way, it was a cultural phenomenon that has not been repeated. A celebration of women's artistry that coalesced at just the right time. Lisa Weiner, NPR News. Ryan Patrick Hooper will chat with Melody Batons of the Detroit News about the latest news in the Metro Detroit dining scene. I am hungry to sink my teeth into this next segment that's coming up after this break. WDET is supported by Wayne State University's Borrowder Bicycling Event, Saturday, July 23rd, with rides for the casual and the competitive. Register at B-A-R-O-U-D-E-U-R dot Wayne dot E-D-U. The Philippine government has ordered a shutdown of the online news outlet Rappler, which has been critical of the former administration's violent war on drugs. We have seen in the last six years of the Duterte administration, really uh, death by a thousand cuts of our democracy. I'm Elsa Chang. We talked to Rappler's Nobel Prize winning founder this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. All Things Considered, weekday afternoons at 4 on 1019 WDET. WDET is supported by Bolero Lanes and Lounge on Coolidge in Royal Oak, Metro Detroit's boutique bowling center with arcade games, karaoke, pop culture trivia, all vinyl DJs, live music, and more. BoleroDetroit.com. There's so much to keep track of in Detroit's dining scene, but Culture Shift is here to help you set the table. Each week, Culture Shift's Ryan Patrick Hooper chats with Melody Batons from the Detroit News about the latest news in your neighborhood. Ryan and Melody both join us right now in the studio live to talk about food. Thank you so much, Tia. Yeah, it's uh, really an honor because we finally get... Melody in studio with us. There Melody, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And it's a, it's you know to give people a window into what you do behind the scenes. How many restaurants have you already been at today? Three, <laughs> but go. I only ate at one. Yeah. <laughs> Hard at work. Very very cool. Um, we have to start with some breaking news that's happening right in WDET's own backyard here in the Cass Corridor, uh, a legendary spot. 
is is closing its doors. Yeah, this is a huge bummer. The Cast Cafe said they're closing. The rumors have been going wild all on social media through the, throughout the week. Um, but I finally got a hold of the owner, um, Chuck Roy. He confirmed that, you know, July 17th will be the last day. So about 10 days from now. Um, so you've got a chance to come in and have your favorite dishes and talk to your favorite bartender and check out the art that's there. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where he's just looking to retire the restaurant industry is changing, and um, but the future is uncertain. Um, like I said, they're going to close in about 10 days. He said they have some commitments at the end of the summer. They may reopen for Daly. Um, a lot of uncertainty, but we do know that July 17th, after that date, it's going to be dark for a while. Um, so if you want to get your favorite stuff, you got to get in there. This is one of the most prime pieces of real estate here in the Cash Corridor, no doubt. I mean, you have these two generations that sort of kept that place going, apparently not anymore, but the college population and sort of this aging Cast Corridor artist population because Cast Cafe was also really a, a, a pretty serious gallery too. Yeah, they held events, they held art openings, um, artists went there and, and hung out. Um, it was also kind of one of the first places where you could get a vegan anything, a vegetarian anything besides a salad or a grilled cheese. They really catered to a lot of different dietary needs before it became the norm in restaurants. Yeah, I think of uh, you know artists like Tylon Sawyer and Gilda Snowden and Paul Johnson and so many more uh, often ended up having some of their first shows at the Cast Cafe. That's how it was kind of viewed is if you were an emerging artist, you could get your art displayed there. Um, so that's a huge loss of that legacy too. Um, but when we look at it, Melody, the Cast Cafe, certainly resistant to change. I think that menu really was placed squarely in the late 90s and never really advanced from there. You, you might be right about that. But like I said, they were doing things in the late 90s that a lot of other people weren't doing. <laughs> right. So it was not broke. Don't, Don't fix it. it. Don't okay. Fix it. Okay. So, Cast Cafe, some breaking news from Melody Batons of the Detroit News talking about a, a really iconic restaurant here in the Cast Corridor closing its doors. Not only a great restaurant, but a great art gallery for emerging artists. We'll have to pay attention and see what becomes of that because, again, prime piece of real estate here in the rapidly expanding. Uh, Midtown, as some people call it. Now, let's go ahead and talk about a bunch of new restaurants. The death of one, yet more are, are springing up everywhere. Uh, you recently wrote about 14 new restaurants that are opening throughout uh, Metro Detroit. Yeah, this was in today's Detroit News. Kind of a look back since we're halfway through 2022, um, kind of going over what has opened. Um, a lot of these we've talked about and I've written about. Some fell through the cracks, so I was able to go back and, and um, shine a light on them. Um, one of them that opened in late May is Bohemia in Royal Oak. This is one of three restaurants at the corner of 11 and Main. Um, you've got Pinkies up top, which is a very cute brunch, girls' night out, um, cocktail lounge, small plates. Pearl's Deep Dive opened late last year with seafood and cocktails. And Bohemia opened in May. They have It's very eclectic decor. It's really cool. They've got kind of a um, Middle Eastern Mediterranean menu, and the cocktail menu matches that. They've got a Lebanese Mai Tai, a pistachio martini, um, lots of vegetarian-heavy small plates, some grilled meats. Great spot to meet some friends. Um, they're open for dinner Tuesday through Sunday, like I said, down there in downtown Royal Oak. Um, another new spot, a bar that I wanted to point to in um, St. Clair Shores, actually, Cachet Cocktail and Wine Bar opened um, this year 
on Greater Mac in downtown St. Clair Shores. This is um, wine, cocktails, charcuterie. That's it. <laughs> and this is from the owner of the Butter Run, who's known. They're known also in St. Clair Shores for their whiskey selection. Um, so that's a cool East Side uh, new hangout over there. And another one I wanted to po- point to is Petty Cash. They yeah. opened today at um, on the Avenue of Fashion on Eight Mile, just. No, on Livernois, just uh, south of Eight Mile. This is uh, one of the Cohen owners here is former NFL player Ron Bartell, who also owns Cuzzo's Chicken and Waffles, which is right down the street from there. Um, I talked to the chef today. He is looking forward to serving a mix. He doesn't want to be put in any box, he said. He has, um, (laughs) uh, the chef there has worked in Japanese restaurants and uh, Italian and um, Lebanese restaurants. So he's got a, a very varied background. Um, it'll be exciting to see what they do there. Their focus is on craft cocktails and small plates, and they're open now. You can make a reservation at pettycashdetroit.com. Yeah, a lot of buzz around Petty Cash. People yeah, are excited for yeah. that one to open its doors. Also, uh, you profiled Rosa Detroit, which sounds like a great new little breakfast lunch spot, quick to, to get in and get out over on Grand River. And uh, Super Crisp. You talked a little bit about I've Super Crisp, too. Have you Super been? Crisp. It's right there. Yeah, right, right down the street from us, from the owners of Emo, right? Yep. It's their, It's basically like an outlet for their famous chicken sandwich, right. which everybody likes. Now you can go and uh, order one real quick. They've got, you've got vegan versions, spicy versions. They've got fries. They've got hot dogs, burgers, um, lots of vegan options. Very fun junk food. Um, cool little spot there. 14 hot new restaurants, as you call them, Melody, that you covered, all opening up in June. And people can see that full coverage over at DetroitNews.com. Let's head over to Corktown, since we're already in Detroit. And you've got this cookware potluck thing going on in Corktown. (laughs) What what is this? It's called uh, Louis Mart. It's a pop-up shop from Louis Kitchenware, which their whole thing is they want to offer cool affordable, useful cookware, you know, that doesn't break the bank. Because you can, you know, you if you ever shop for a so- sauce pot, you're in the 15 to $250. Like, it's it's a wide range. Um, so what they want to do is offer, you know, kind of pay what you can, um, you know, different kinds of cookware. They've popped up, like I said. They're partnering with Cookette, which is another uh, woman-owned company, and they sell cookbooks and gift sets and gourmet salts and chocolate and all kinds of cool stuff. So they're popping up. They're there right now at Bagley, I think right by Trumbull, maybe where Hello Records used to be. I think that's the space. Um, They're there, and then this Saturday they're going to host a community barbecue, kind of a pay-what-you-can fundraiser for Neighborhood Grocery, which is the equity crowdfunded um, grocery store that's planning to open on the city's east side, which I think you've talked about mm-hmm. before. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very excited for that for that co-op. Uh, we don't have a ton of that here in Detroit, but I think it's a great model. That's happening over in the Jefferson Chalmers neighborhood and is really uh, deep in that neighborhood. It's going to serve that community. So really, really looking forward to that. Um, but this kind of this points to, you know, the community barbecue. It makes me think of like batch brewing where they were hosting different restaurants and it felt very community level. It does seem like post-pandemic, I know we're still in a pandemic, whatever you want to call it, but there is sort of this um, kind of lo-fi reconnecting thing that's mm-hmm. happening where it's like more community-level type things that that are bringing people together. Have you noticed that in your reporting? A little bit, yeah. I feel like everything is has a social economic um, tie to it. Everything's 
and partial proceeds will benefit. <laughs> right. And if if it doesn't, then it's like, well, where's the partial proceeds going? Mm-hmm. You know, it has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's just something help somebody. Yeah. So yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of that, not just in in little pop ups like this, but in business models overall. So we're right in uh, Corktown there. We're hanging out in that adorable Detroit neighborhood. And there's also news that's happening back to, to new restaurants. There's a, a place that's changed hands, what, I think three or four times in the past decade and, and now has yet again an, a new owner. Take me to this new restaurant. It's going to be called El Pino, and it's opening at the end of the year, so this winter. And it's where Lady of the House was in Corktown, that beautiful kind of stone brick building. Um, before that, it was St. Cece's. Before that, it was Bailey Cork, probably dating myself. But in 2017, Lady of the House opened there. It had a great reception nationally, um, Kate Williams Restaurant. And they closed you know, when the shutdown happened and didn't reopen. So, but Alpino's going in that space, and it's um, a project from David Richter. He's a Detroit native. He's been working in New York with people like Joe Bastianich. She's got a wine background. Basically, uh, Alpino, as in the Alpine Mountains, it's going to be you know mountain European, lots of wine, European beer, craft cocktails, uh, farm to table, things like that. So we'll we'll probably learn more as they get closer to opening. I'm really anxious to see. Um, how they change anything in the inside. I know that Lady of the House had that dramatic change from the dark wood to the white wood, which um, was a bit controversial, but I thought it was really fresh and, and clean and, and cute looking. So we'll see how much they change, and it'll be an, another restaurant to keep an eye on later this year. Yeah, we just talked about uh, 15 yeah. new restaurants um, really announced or opened in the past month, and it makes me wonder, especially from your perspective, Melody, how sustainable all these are because we, we just came out of such a period of wondering if anyone was going to make it out uh, of the pandemic and, and dealing with that and having to reduce the amount of people that could dine in mm-hmm. and have to go to carry out and all these different mm-hmm. things. And now the restaurant industry is basically just saying, well, we're going to keep rapidly expanding like we were doing before, <laughs> but we also know that there's labor shortages happening. Mm-hmm. So when you start looking at all these factors, how, how uh, valid are all these places? Well, there's two things to look at. There's one is not many restaurants open in 2020 and even 21. So in 2022, you've got all these places that probably meant to open a lot earlier, but didn't have the staff, couldn't get the decor they wanted, couldn't get the build out. So much like the concert season, which is wild this this, mm-hmm. this weekend alone, is, is there's three concerts at Comerica Park. Um, it, it You're kind of seeing the flood of it after being... Um, pent up. Another thing is, you know, pe- the strong will survive. People want to open their restaurant. They have something they think, you know, to offer. And also, I'm still seeing, depending on where you go and what day, it's busy. It can be really busy out there sometimes, especially on, you know, brunch, dinner, downtown, certain areas. Um, there's always exceptions, but, um, you know, like I said, the strong will survive and, and we'll just keep an eye on all of it. We've talked a lot about how people in the service industry, a good chunk of them, I don't know the exact percentage, but a good chunk of them have found other jobs in other industries since the pandemic. Uh, you know, a lot of them gaining green green thumbs and going into recreational marijuana and selling that. Um, is the service changing at these restaurants because you have less people working in the service industry right now? Is there 
kind of a, a, a lower quality happening? Just from your, you know, anecdotally, like your, sure. your own perspective on it. I think it, every every restaurant's its own case, but I'm seeing a lot more of not less service, but quicker service where you might tell a computer screen what you want or you might look up on your phone and order and pay. And then, you know, a nice server will bring you the food and if you need anything else. But there's a lot less need for contact, not just because there may be less servers, but because people do want less contact now. Um, but it runs the gamut depending on the restaurant. I've seen some excellent um, service execution from all over the place. And and then, yeah, you get some where well, you can just tell that there's too many people in the restaurant, not enough people to work, and they're struggling, and you just got to cut them some slack. That's why we have Melody Batons <laughs> from the Detroit News on the show every week here on Culture Shift. You can read all of her reporting over at DetroitNews.com. She gives us a seat at the table of everything that's happening throughout Metro Detroit's ever-evolving dining scene. Melody, thank you so much. Thank you both. And we still have a lot more to do on the show here, Tia Graham. What we do we got do, coming up next? We do, Ryan. The news you need to know. It's coming up with Ryan Patrick Hooper, and it's including more booze being available at college sporting events. Is it a good idea? Is it? I don't know. And a music mixtape featuring brand new music from Thundercat. That's coming up after this break. It's important for journalists to get it right, and words matter. I'm Russ McNamara. That's why Detroit Disability Power is hosting training for people in the media. Sasha Ryan has that conversation. This afternoon and All Things Considered on 1019 WDET. A hurricane comes and ruins your house bad enough when you're settled and secure. Worse, by a lot when you're a migrant worker. They had no choice but to rent shacks and trailers that were 50 and 60 years old with mold and mildew and cockroach dust. I'm Kai Rizdal, shelter, but barely, next time on Marketplace. Marketplace, this evening at 6 on 1019 WDET. WDET is supported by Live Nation, presenting Nora Jones. One night only, Saturday, July 16th at Meadowbrook Amphitheater. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com, 313Presents.com, or Ticketmaster. Nora Jones, July 16th. Thank you for joining us for Culture Shift. I'm Tia Graham. Ryan Patrick Cooper is here as well. And we're taking a quick look at the weather forecast. Today, mostly sunny with highs around 85 degrees. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Temperatures in the mid-60s. And tomorrow, do expect a chance of rain with highs in the low 80s. Your weekend looks pretty good. Saturday and Sunday, most sun, mostly sunshine. I'll see most sunshine in the sky as well highs around 80 degrees now we have news that you need to know ryan patrick cooper is here to talk to us a little bit about those uh ideas 
Yeah, so I just saw this report. New bipartisan bills in the Michigan legislature would allow alcohol sales at college basketball, college football, and college hockey games. That's according to a report in the Detroit Free Press. And I didn't know this, but University of Michigan and MSU are outliers in the Big Ten. They're the only ones that don't permit alcohol sales at college sporting events. Um, Eight out of 14 Big Ten schools do allow such Mm. sales. So they're a little behind, and now there's a bill potentially allowing them to be able to sell booze, which... Going to like a U of M game, I I didn't know that for the longest time that you couldn't buy booze. I mean, that makes sense. There's that whole party infrastructure of the tailgating that happens beforehand. And maybe college, drunk college students isn't something we want more of in this state. I don't know. But that's a bill that's on the table in the Michigan legislature right now. And I've also got uh, some good music for you. You you do. You do. What's what's the first song that you have? What's so the first one? The Really, the whole theme throughout the show today, we've got a bunch of upbeat great music for mm-hmm. the family dance party we're gonna do really funky kind of dub centric <laughs> covers of songs that you might be familiar with uh, we've got some great pop anthems in the second hour of the show but I wanted to start off with some really great dance music that's got a really positive message from the band Hot Chip they're getting ready to release a new record later this year and we just got a new single from that record this song is called Eleanor you're discovering the best in alternative music right now on Culture Shift on WDET
Absolute earworm from the British band Hot Chip. Their new record, Freak Out, release, is out August 19th via Domino Records. You can see all the young songs that we play here on Culture Shift over at WDET.org slash Culture Shift to check out our live updating playlist. WDET has existed over 70 years, but something fundamental changed in 1952 when the United Auto Workers transferred WDET to the community under the stewardship of Wayne State University. Thanks, UAW. Thanks, Wayne State, for protecting this station for 70 years. Thank you, listeners. Members, our next 70 years are in your hands. Join this great community service at WDET.org. Welcome back to Culture Shift, and thanks for joining us. We're going to take a quick look at the forecast. Today, mostly sunny, highs around 85 degrees. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Temperatures in the mid-60s. Tomorrow, a chance of rain with highs in the low 80s. And your weekend, Saturday and Sunday, sunshine with highs around 80 degrees. 
Did you know that all of WDET's music programs are available seven days a week? Check out on-demand version of your favorite shows at WDET.org slash shows or download the free WDET app on your smartphone and you can take us wherever you go. Coming up in the next hour of Culture Shift, music journalist Jeff Milo will join us to talk live about new local music and what concerts are happening around town this weekend. That's here on 1019 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. After that, we'll have NPR News, then we'll have local news from the WDET newsroom, and then later on after that, Ryan and I are going to have a funky-themed, poppy-themed, party-themed, fun-themed family dance party. That's all coming up in the next hour of Culture Shift. That's 1019 WDET-FM. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon and thanks for joining us here on Culture Shift. I'm Tia Graham. Ryan Patrick Cooper is here in the studio with me. And every week on Culture Shift, Detroit music journalist Jeff Milo shares some of the best new local music and live concerts happening in the region. For this week's Milo Minute, we're highlighting three sure-to-be-incredible shows happening this weekend. Jeff Milo joined us live. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hey, how are you? How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Great to hear your voice. Oh, it's good to hear your voice. Awesome, awesome. So, jump right into things. Tell me about what's happening Friday in Ypsilanti. Yeah, so Friday, um, one of the best venues in that area is Ziggy's mm. and this really eccentric band that I that I like called Scissor Now is doing an album release party, sort of a belated album release party because they technically had this album done a little while ago, <laughs> but they're celebrating now. And the title of the album is, Oh God, It's ellipses dot 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 oh god it's scissor now and um you know that they're in the punk category uh um i like to make obscure references sometimes on this radio show and if we could look back to the 70s a punk band like x-ray specs which featured a saxophone uh think that because this is a trio that is just drums saxophone and bass kind of a kind of a deer hoof vibe going on here too so um I'm excited to play a track. So they'll be at Ziggy's on Friday night. And this is a new song. It's called G.I. Joe Mango by Scissor Now.
Art Punk Surf Sax Trio Scissor Now Friday at Ziggy's and Ypsilanti. Jeff, have you have you seen these guys live yet? How does this translate to the the live stage? <laughs> well, I mean, they've got lyrics too. I just we're playing a, a quirky instrumental of them, but yeah, high energy on the stage too. Um, I think they're great, and yeah, some vibes there on that track as well. Yeah, exactly. I personally loved it. I was bopping in here to it. So, you know, what's happening Saturday as we're rolling through the weekend? If you're looking for more things to do Saturday in Royal Oak, what's happening? Yeah, we're, we're going to do a kind of a stark shift here into some darker stuff, some dark shoegaze, gothy, post-punk kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, and that's the band Vasm, which is a duo. This is Zach Pliska and Emily Sturm. And they have their own home studio and they've been producing so much music over the, the last five years and, and been, been remained really productive during the during the whole quarantine era. So were they in Detroit? Um, they had this new song called Ain't, What's that? Were they in Detroit making their album? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see. So they had this new song they just put out like a, a week ago called Angel. So um Distorted guitars, ominous vocals, uh, heavy vibes, ominous vibes. As again, as I prepped you here, we're going to get into the goth metal territories here. They're going to be at Bolero Lane's Lounge uh, with a band called Bellhead. So let's check out Angel by Vasm. Selfish pride 
I'm loving that sounds. Yeah, some, you know, some, some Jesus, Mary Jane, Bauhaus going on in there. You know, it's great. Yeah, a little bit of Christian death, kind of SoCal 80s, new wave metal punk vibes. Adrenaline pulsing, yes. Uh, dig that a lot. That is Vasm. And uh, where can people check them out on Saturday night? They're going to be at Bolero in Royal Oak. You know, there's a lounge in there in the bowling alley, in that hip bowling alley, you know, and they've got, they've been putting on great concerts lately. Awesome. Awesome. Jeff, we're going to continue. We're going to keep going on. So we talked about Saturday. We've talked about Friday. What's happening Sunday in Hamtramck at Trixie's? Yeah, we've got a Sunday night album release party for the band Of House at Trixie's in Hamtramck. This is a six-peep the six piece band mm. and it it blends a, it blends like all flavors of pop dream pop indie pop power pop uh but also you know gets it's got a lot of effects splashed guitars and it's got something known as the motoric beat which was popularized in the kind of 70s by kraut rock bands but you might recognize it from contemporary bands like Stereolab. Mm. It's basically like the attempt to conjure a never-ending beat. Uh, so this is going to be inherently propulsive music that we're going to be listening to. Um, and we're going to listen to a song called The Fall. Um, of House uh, released a song, I should say, earlier in the in the year called Heart About to Give Out, which is already one of my favorite songs of the year. And I, and I love this one as well. So they're going to be at Trixie's on Sunday. It's Of House with The Fall. Thank you so much, Jeff. We'll definitely be Cheers, checking guys. it out. Let's go ahead. Of House, The Fall.
music made in Detroit from the dream pop meets indie pop six piece of house. They've got a new album out. They'll be celebrating the release Sunday night in Hamtramck at Trixie's. That's the song, The Fall. You heard it as part of the Milo Minute with music journalist Jeff Milo, who joins Culture Shift every week to highlight the best in local music being made and some of the live concerts that you can go check out and uh, give your money directly to these bands so we can keep this great Detroit cultural scene alive and well. This is Culture Shifts. I'm Ryan Patrick Hooper, hanging out with Tia Graham. Hey, Tia, what do we got, what do we got coming up next? Ryan, we have news from you. We have oh, news. We from, do. We do. We okay. have news from you. And we'll have John Moser's pick of the week. So music, news, conversation, that's what we do here. It's important for journalists to get it right, and words matter. I'm Russ McNamara. That's why Detroit Disability Power is hosting training for people in the media. Sasha Ryan has that conversation. This afternoon and all things considered on 1019 WDET. WDET has existed over 70 years, but something fundamental changed in 1952 when the United Auto Workers transferred WDET to the community under the stewardship of Wayne State University. Thanks, UAW. Thanks, Wayne State, for protecting this station for 70 years. Thank you, listeners. Members, our next 70 years are in your hands. Join this great community service at WDET.org. This is the Michigan Association of Broadcasters Station of the Year, 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us for Culture Shift this afternoon. I'm Tia Graham. Ryan Patrick Cooper is here as well. And just a quick look at the weather forecast today. Mostly sunny skies with highs around 85 degrees tonight. Mostly cloudy temperatures in the mid 60s. So that's definitely good sleeping weather. Ryan and I always talk about that. Tomorrow, expect a chance of rain with highs in the low 80s. And your weekend looks pretty good as well. Saturday and Sunday, sunshine both days with highs around 80 degrees. So that's great weather out there. But we have the news you need to know this hour. Ryan, Patrick Cooper is here to let us know. Thank you so much, Tia. Appreciate that. Uh, Earlier on the show, we were talking about the possibility of being able to buy booze when you go to a college sporting event at University of Michigan or MSU. And I'm going to stay on the booze train here (laughs) because a Metro Detroit-based distillery just earned a huge international award uh, scoring big with the tasting panels at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. This is actually one of the oldest, if not the longest running spirit competition here in the United States. They've been around for over 20 years. So, you know, sometimes when these local liquor companies like win an award, you're always like, well, I've never even heard of that award before. Uh, so why do I care? Just wanted to set that up for you because Eight Mile Vodka from right here in Michigan won best in class for their vodka and best of class for, for their vodka as well. Um, This is out of over 5,000 different spirits that were submitted, 300 of those in the vodka category. And 8 Mile Vodka, made right here in Michigan, is the one that stood out among 70 expert judges. Uh, So next time you're you're looking for a nice locally made vodka, you might want to check out that 8 Mile Vodka, the award-winning one from right here in Michigan. 
That's good to know. That's good to learn. To know that we have that local vodka tie right yeah, there. Yeah. Eight mile vodka. Good booze in town. I've also got good uh, music mm-hmm. uh, to play for you. I want to play some new music from this band called First Aid Kit. This is their first single in three years. They're coming out. They're actually Swedish. They're a Swedish folk duo. But on this one, they're really becoming just like a pop anthem. Uh, and it goes well with John Mosier's Pick of the Week, which we're going to hear in a moment. But right now, this is new music. First in three years from First Aid Kit, Angel, Best in New Alternative Music on Culture Shifts.
For Culture Shift, I'm John Mosier, the host of Modern Music, heard every Saturday at 4 o'clock, and it's time for my pick of the week. This week's pick is the debut single from a new indie pop group called Peach Fuzz. This band features, among others, singer-songwriter Samia. That's Samia Finnerty. The band's debut EP is called Can Mary Dude, D-O-O-D, The Moon. Can Mary Dude, The Moon. And it comes out on the 22nd on the band Sylvan Esso's record label called Psychic Hotline. I'm going to share with you a single from the record. It's the band Peach Fuzz. The song is called Hey Dude, and it's my pick of the week. Enjoy. Looking like Ted Bundy phones dead at the party. I don't know you. Handle of Bacardi, it's way too much for me. I'm alone. That's music from the debut EP from the band called Peach Fuzz. The EP comes out on the 22nd. It's called Mary Dude the Moon. 
And that single is called Hey Dude. Dude is spelled D-O-O-D both times, by the way. That's my pick of the week. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm John Mosher, the host of Modern Music. I'll be here Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock with my favorite records of 2022 so far. I hope you'll join me right here on 1019 WDET. Thank you so much, John, for giving us your peak of pick of the week. Now, Rob Reinhardt, this week's Acoustic Cafe guest, is A.V. Kaplan. A.V. Kaplan was one of the founding members of the a cappella band Pentatonix, singing bass and beatboxing until leaving in 2017 to start a solo career as a singer-songwriter. This spring, he made his formal debut with the album Floating on a Dream that's coming up next right here on Culture Shift. Next time on Detroit Today, we're going to talk about the deal that's unfolding around the state budget. We'll also start to take a look at local elections and see what's happening in Oakland County. Tonight at 7 on 1019 WDET. On the next Fresh Air, how the Supreme Court's move to the right will transform American life. We'll talk with Adam Liptak, who covers the court for the New York Times, about the new conservative supermajority, its recent decisions on abortion, gun rights, and religion, and the case it will hear next term that could increase Republican control over voting laws. Join us. Fresh Air, today at 3 on 1019 WDET. WDET is supported by the return of the Michigan Shakespeare Festival, performing Shakespeare's Henry V, The Merry Wives of Windsor, and Brandon Thomas's Charlie's Aunt at the Village Theater in Canton, July 19th through August 21st. More at michiganshakespearefestival.com. You're listening to Culture Shift. It's Rob Reinhardt from Acoustic Cafe. And coming up on this week's program between 1 and 3 on Sunday, the in-studio guest has an interesting story that started about 10 years ago. Our in-studio guest is Avi Kaplan. Avi Kaplan was one of the founding members of Pentatonix. He was the bass singer and beatboxer for that band that had many successful Christmas releases, lots of covers, and the occasional original song. And it was the pursuit of original music and original music inspired by a 1970s sound that caused Avi to leave that band in 2017. Darling, I'm saying, wish I could change the things I said that caused you pain. Fire in my eyes that made you cry, filled up all the oceans and swallowed all my pride. I grew up and with, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, uh, America, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, Bill Withers, John Denver. But the Laurel Canyon, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Harmony. Oh, it's yeah. all Harmony it's it's all about harmony. So. Absolutely. I'll tell the truth when I'm a fool. Mm-hmm. When I'm a fool. Mm-hmm. I didn't learned that I was a singer until I think I was about 13 mm-hmm. um, but I'd always listened to that music and loved it very very deeply um, and then once I started singing then I started writing music like that and then so on and while listening to his parents records as a kid by the time he hit high school it was a different era mid 2000s but around that time I started getting into my own music which was like at that time uh, Iron and Wine it was uh, Jose Gonzalez and so that type of stuff uh, was really, really flowing through my veins at that point. You 
hit me like a thunder roll, caught me like the wildfire in your eyes. A lifelong Southern Californian after Pentatonix, Avi Kaplan decided to move to Nashville. I needed a change. I needed some space. Uh, so I actually moved about 45 minutes away from Nashville proper, out in the woods in a cabin, and uh, I really, really wanted that. And darling, I can't lie, I want to take my time, I want to love you right, I want to hold you tight, darling, I can't lie, and darling, I can't lie. I needed to be away from the city really to recharge for the next part of the journey. Because I had done co-writing in LA and it was totally different. And I felt like with Nashville, it really felt like we were writing for the art, for mm -hmm. the song, you know? I wandered for a thousand years Kiss upon your lips, my dear just one time. Avi started doing acapella competitions in college, so he had been doing that better than half of his life. A major change to do what he's doing now. You know, when you watch a band on stage and they just go to a different place, you know, in the song, and you feel like that is just kind of what happened, that's not necessarily possible with an acapella group. Right. It is if, if that's the type of thing that you're into, but usually you sing the arrangement and you can kind of make it your own in a very small way, but Everything has to be fine-tuned in order for it to work. And with a band, you know, there's room for looseness. There's room for uh, doing things on the fly. Uh, things can be covered up a lot easier. Uh, and with an acapella group, especially an acapella group of five people, uh, things cannot be covered up. It's one on a part, and, uh, you know, you hear what you hear. Right. And, and the whole point is for it to be in tune. Eyes clouded, blood on my face. No mercy coming my way. Yeah, I'm only getting started. So why not just stay in this wildly successful group and pitch your original songs? At that time, we had just signed with a label. There were basically two ways we could have gone. And the group was split in in those two different ways. So one way was like doing more artistic, more like alternative, interesting uh, songwriting. And then there was another school of thought that felt like we should go very, very poppy. Basically just write pop songs and then and then arrange them as we had been doing. My bones don't lie. They're broken, but they still got fired. I'm only getting started. I'm only getting started. I really wanted to try to uh, take the human voice and make it into something where it wasn't kitschy. But, you know, the direction that we decided to go in was in the very poppy direction, which I think, you know, helped our career. But at the end of the day, you know, it really what the bread and butter was, was the covers and the Christmas music. You know, and, and that was one of my reasons for leaving the group. Being a bass, you don't really sing lyrics. And, and I was really doing about, like, you know, 10% of what I could and, and, and wanted to do. Oh, scrape gravel from the palm of my hand, skin weathered from the wind and sand. So for a guy now from in his mid-30s, having toured the world for many years, part of a very successful group, he is now coming back to songwriting, something that he has been doing since he was a teenager. Characterize the writing as a teenage writer, the kind of songs that you were doing. 
Oh, you know. You've got that embarrassed smile. Okay, <laughs> I get it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know okay. about love and about life and struggles and you know, I mean, it's it's the same, but just at a younger age, you know, um, a little more immature. But I love the stuff that I wrote back then. Yeah, you can't reduce the importance of that period of time. Mm-hmm. You have to start somewhere. A great voice, cool stories. Avi Kaplan as our in-studio guest on Acoustic Cafe this week. Oh. Acoustic Cafe Sunday, one to three, here on 1019 WDET or at WDET.org slash shows. That was Rob, Ron, Rob Reinhardt and his preview of Acoustic Cafe coming up this Sunday afternoon. You don't want to miss out on that. And as well, coming up next, we'll have... A dance party, a family, a funky family dance party right after these messages. WDET's coverage of environmental issues is supported by DTE Energy. Its clean vision for Michigan is a commitment to cleaner energy, a cleaner environment, and a brighter future. Learn more at DTECleanEnergy.com. Do you wonder what you can do to fix the growing divide in our country? WDET invites you to take part in a new project. It's one small step from StoryCorps. You meet someone new, a fellow Detroiter with different political views from you, for a 50-minute conversation about your lives. Help reconnect our community one conversation at a time. Sign up at WDET.org slash one small step. StoryCorps' one small step is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. WDET is supported by AEG Presents Elton John, Farewell Yellow Brick Road, The Final Tour. Live in concert at Comerica Park on July 18th. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Elton John at Comerica Park, July 18th. I want to get up and do my thing. Yeah. I want to get into it. Good afternoon. You know what that music is? It's the Family Dance Party. We're joined by Ryan Patrick Cooper, who's in the studio. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing good. Very, very excited for this Family Dance Party, Tia. Uh, I was thinking about it all day, and I kept thinking about these covers I've been listening to. Mm. Very funky versions of songs that I'm sure you're really familiar with, but I think these covers are sometimes better than the original, or at least really intriguing takes on the original that I think deserve to be heard. And I'm generally not a fan of cover songs to begin with. Really? So this is this is high praise coming from me. Yeah. Uh, to want to play these, these covers at all. And we're going to start off with this group called Africa. Uh, they put out this record uh, called Music from Little Brown. There's not a ton known about this group. The record was produced by Lou Adler, um, there are members of the Los Angeles doo-wop group, the Valiants, in this band. But beyond that, there's not a, a ton of information about it. This is part of those records that gets reissued, finds new life on streaming services like Spotify. And the whole thing on Music from Little Brown are these incredible covers, right? They cover Paint It Black by mm. the Rolling Stones. Um, they cover Ode to Billy Joe uh, by Bobby Gentry. But the one that, that really stood out to me and that I've been absolutely obsessed with and finding a reason to play on this show is their cover of Light My Fire by The Doors, which uh, 
listeners with a good ear will hear a sample uh, that Jay Dilla used, the great Detroit producer, from this track in one of his. So there's a great sample in here. It's a fantastic cover, and it's going to kick off our family dance party, exploring very funky renditions of songs you may know, including this one.
was the third of September, a day I'll always remember. Yes, I will, 'cause it was the day that my daddy died. I never had the chance to see. Just hung her head and said, "Your papa was a rolling stone, my son. Wherever he laid his hat was his home." Funky covers of songs you might know. The Pioneers doing Papa Was a Rolling Stone, Africa doing Light My Fire, The Chosen Few doing Tears of a Clown, and The Upsetters, Lee Scratch Perry and The Upsetters doing Tell Me Something Good. I loved everyone, Ryan. Yeah, that was a blast. We just added all of those to the WDET updating playlist. You can see it at WDET.org slash culture shifts. And, you know, just quickly, does this give you appreciation for covers now? No, <laughs> but I do love these covers. Thanks for your honesty. Well, we're listening. You were listening to Culture Shift here on 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. I've been Tia Graham. You've been here with Ryan Patrick Cooper as well. And just before I let you go, the forecast today, mostly sunny highs around 85. Tonight, mostly cloudy temperatures in the mid-60s. Tomorrow, slight chance of rain, highs in the low 80s. And for the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, sunshine both days, highs around 80. Once again, thanks for joining us. It is 2 p.m.